Tonight we are going back into Ecclesiastes, and my, my plan is to do about half of this book and then take a break from it and go with something else and uh, then come back to it later in the year. That's uh, my plan with this series. Um, Twelve chapters, so we're going to try to get to six uh, if we can. Uh, it's taken us a while to get where we are now. Um, but I've enjoyed this uh, study and uh, understanding the book of Ecclesiastes better uh, than I have uh, before. And I hope that's been the case uh, for you. If you remember, as Solomon continues his observations about the true meaning of life, we come to a text where, again, we are reminded uh, of the eventual fate of fleshly man. And having addressed how there is a time for everything in chapters 3 and verses 1 through 8, and, and the fact that God's will, will 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 accomplish its purpose and stand forever, verses 9 through 15, he had, so we see again he addresses the vanity of the ways of men. In verses 9 through 15 we see that whatever God does will last forever. But tonight I want us to turn our attention to the last verses of chapter 3 in 16 through 22. And the Bible reads and says, And moreover, moreover I saw under the sun the place of judgment, that wickedness was there, and the place of righteousness, that iniquity was there. And I said in mine heart, God shall judge the righteous and wicked, for there is a time there for every purpose and for every work. I said in mine heart concerning the state of the sons of men, that God might manifest or prove them, that they might see that they themselves are beasts. For that which befalleth the sons of men befalleth beasts, even one thing befalleth them, as the one dieth, so dieth the other. Yea, they have all one breast, so that a man have no preeminence above a beast, for all is vanity. All go into one place, all are of the dust, and all turn to the dust again. Who knoweth the spirit, who knoweth the spirit of the man that goeth? Uh, upward and the spirit of the beast that goeth downward to the earth. Wherefore I perceive that there is nothing better than that a man should rejoice in his own works, for that is his portion. For who shall bring him to see what shall be after him? So that winds up chapter 3 of Ecclesiastes. And again, we see two or three different things here. In verses 16 and 17, we see a subject of perverted justice. And we'll talk a little more about that uh, in the time that we have together tonight. But verses 18 through 21, you see the death, that death is the great equalizer among all things. And then you will see also that uh, uh, the rest of that uh, chapter and verse 22, therefore rejoice in your own works. So those are, going, those are going to be the three points that we look at tonight in dividing the last part of this chapter. But number one, perverted justice. When we think about the word justice, we think about 
a judgment being given or um, consequences or whatever that are given that meet the whatever the crime or whatever the case may be. But in the place of judgment, again, they often fall in the courts and the governments. And uh, Solomon is saying that there's wickedness there. He says also in the place of righteousness. Uh, and speaking towards uh, religious leaders where God ought to be worshipped and exalted. And when we think of iniquity as well and wickedness and uh, those types of things, and that with the word previous meaning there as well, uh, wickedness. And I believe tonight in this study that we can say it's truly a grief when those in positions of leadership grossly corrupt and let down those whom they have been entrusted. Now, we, we see that a lot in today's world, don't we? Yeah, leaders are put into positions and people are exalted into high places that are not living a life of what we would call a good life, of what we would say sin-free. I see in the world today a lot, and you do as well, <coughs> People who always said a lot of times with our um, uh, people who are in uh, big sports, NFL, and this, that, and other, uh, they'll get arrested or they'll do this or uh, beat up their wife or whatever and then, and then receive some, some type of award. Uh, to me, it's reminded of me of when uh, they gave out the Heisman this year. Uh, if you remember when they gave out the Heisman, to me, that took the, took the value and what the Heisman Trophy meant uh, and what it's meant many, many years and dropped it down into the dirt uh, for the very reason of the, the, the man, young man who received that um, before every game, I don't know if y'all knew this or not, but uh, uses the F word and writes it on his fingernails and uh, puts the other team on the other one as to say F, F U. I thought that was very degrading of the Heisman Trophy. Uh, but we see that in our, in our world today, don't we? Uh, there's not justice for things, and there's wickedness where, where judgment is and, and those types of things. And it's a great grief. And, and again, this same concept that, that Solomon is talking about is true both in society and spiritually. And in this descriptive of the times we're now living in, I, I believe and fear that it's true in so many different areas. We could say politically, judicially, our education system. Uh, even in which I work, uh, we see these things that are happening in many corporations where profits are placed ahead of integrity uh, and even in the religious world. So Solomon is speaking of that place of judgment that there's wickedness. Where there should be righteous or where there should be good things, he's saying there is iniquity, iniquity and wickedness in those places. When we take and talk about leaders Leaders are expected to be caring people. Now you think about that. The world in which we live. But one of the downfalls, if you remember, the children of Israel and Judah was political and economical and uh, religious corruptions, if you remember. Leaders in all the areas were selfish. Isaiah 1 and 25. The Lord speaks there to them as to what he's going to do to them. He says there is going to be a judgment for the things that you have done. You go on over into the book of Jeremiah in chapter 2 and verses 7 through 9. 
It talks of the same thing, of where there's going to be judgment against these leaders and judgment against these people, and it's going to be the right kind of judgment because their leaders have become corrupt. Uh, to me, again, we, I keep relating it back to our world today. You know, I, it seems that if you are high enough or you've got enough money, you can do just about anything that you want to do and get away with it. Uh, <laughs> which is not true justice, as we're talking about tonight. If you remember, under the law of Moses, leaders were expected to care for the people. If you go back in, or go up into Ecclesiastes chapter 4 and, and verse 1, and it says, So I returned and considered all the oppressions that are done under the sun, and behold, the tears of such as were opposed, or pro, pro, I'll get down in a minute, oppressed and they had no comforter and on the side of their oppressors there was power but they had no comforter now when you look at that <coughs> it speaks of the oppressed <coughs> having no comforter our lord if you remember in luke 18 and verse 2 gave illustrations of rulers and corrupt judges speaking to that same thought and such is true today Consider the instructions given to masters, to masters, if you remember. If you go into the book of Ephesians, uh, let's say in chapter 6 and verse 9, the Bible speaks to us and says some things concerning this topic. In Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 9, speaks to the instructions given to masters. Now notice what it says. And you masters do the same things unto them, forbearing, threatening, knowing that your master also is in heaven, neither is there respect of persons. Now, again, talking about how masters are to treat their, their slaves. You go into the book of uh, Colossians. In chapter 4, uh, in verse 1, <clears throat> you see the same thought here, where it says that masters... Give unto your servants that which is just and equal, knowing that you also have a master in heaven. Now, there's some great lessons for us in this. When we think about and along the lines uh, about what masters are to do and what rulers are supposed to do, and you read that also in Romans 13 and verse 3, what masters and rulers are supposed to do. But what are the qualities when we think about rulers, those who lead or masters, those who are over people, what are the qualities do you think of spiritual leaders should be? Again, speaking as we just read those texts, God wants his spiritual leaders to lead with integrity. Now, we're going to spin this over into the Lord's church. When we have leaders in the Lord's church, now, when you think of leaders in the Lord's church, number one, you think of the elders. Also, you think of the deacons. Also, you think of the preacher. But you know, we have many more leaders in the Lord's church, don't we? Yes, these men wear a title, and they are in a position to lead and to lead with integrity, not only when it comes to moral things, but also leading in the spiritual things. And they have an obligation to do that when one accepts that responsibility to be a leader, whether it be an elder, deacon, preacher, school, Sunday school teacher, 
Whatever the case may be, there are a lot of levels of leading in the Lord's church. But one must lead in, in that way. But God wants his spiritual leaders to lead with integrity. You know, James, uh, when you go over to the book of James in chapter 3, in verse 1, we see a warning of many being teachers, for they will receive a stricter judgment. Now, when you look at that in James 3 and verse 1, it says, My brethren, be not, many, for be not many masters or teachers, knowing that we shall receive the greater condemnation or a heavier judgment. You know, what does that say to each of us as we are leaders? As you are a deacon or I am as a minister in this congregation or a Sunday school teacher or whatever the case may be, we are to lead with integrity in morality and spirituality. And it takes a lot of things and, and to, to make up that. And Solomon, but he says that even in these positions, there is wickedness. You know, I'm reminded uh, <clears throat> of all the, the uh, wickedness. If you remember that... Uh, that was in, in the children of Israel and Judah and, and Israel and all those when all the priests were not what they were supposed to be and, and those types of things. You remember that part of history uh, in the Bible? But it's also these things are considered with the elders, 1 Peter 5, 2 and 3. They watch out for our souls, Hebrews 13 and verse 17. And even the qualifications suggest that. We talk about preachers, 1 Timothy 4 and, and verse 12. Uh, we're told as far as, uh, as preachers, we, they, they have that ability as well. Notice what it says about a preacher in First Timothy chapter 4 and verse 12. It says, Let no despise thy youth, but be thou an example of believers in word and conversation, or in charity, or in spirit, or in faith, or in purity. Now, these are things about being a preacher that Paul has wrote to, uh, written to uh, young Timothy. Not only you find that, you find it in 2 Timothy 2 and 24, the servant of the Lord uh, should be this and be that. But when it talks about spiritual leaders, we have a responsibility. We men need to understand that and know what grave responsibility that is. You young men who are going to grow up one day, live your life now to where you can be a leader in the Lord's church then. You can't take and wait till you're 20 or 25 or 30 to get right to be with the Lord. It's all I get real serious now about becoming a Christian and leading in the Lord's church. You can't wait till that time. And we as parents need to guide these young men <clears throat> in wanting to be elders and wanting to be deacons and wanting to be preachers and teachers in the Lord's church. And it starts again when they're very little. We teach our young men to, to we get up here and lead a song. Well, that's doing a whole lot for those young men, isn't it? It's getting up in front of people. One of the greatest fears is people getting up in front of other people and having to speak or having to say something or do something in the Lord's church. And a lot of people say, I can't do it. Well, you get conditioned to that. I can remember my own son telling me, he said, I can't do it, Daddy. I'm not going to do it. I said, yes, you are. And I'm going to be there to help you do it. 
Now, I can remember one of the first times I have his, one of his first invitations he ever gave. I guess it was right here <laughs> that he gave it. Uh, I still have it filed in my files. And I have it recorded on my phone. That's one time I brought my phone into service. I took and hit He didn't know I was recording him, but um, I wanted to have that. But we teach our young men and our young ladies. Not only our young men, but our young ladies have a vital part as well in leading in the right position and level in the Lord's church as far as doing the things behind the scenes and not public worship. But what about those leaders in the Lord's church? What about us? You know, I've always said that as a, you know, as a leader in the Lord's church and being a leader, that if everybody else quits, I still needed to be there and do it. That's to me what a leader is. When everybody else is not going to do it, you've got to be there and do it uh, because you're leading people. We lead by example, not by lording over people. Um, and, and we have responsibility to be an example to, to everyone else in the Lord's church. So not only in these places of judgment, God will judge the righteous of the world. All will stand before God. Solomon was aware of this, Ecclesiastes 12 and 13 and 14. You know what it says there. It's the whole duty of man. Let us hear the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments. Uh, we know what it says. We know God is appointed today. He will judge the righteous. All the leaders, I don't care how big they are or how high they are, even the President of the United States, he's going to judge them, isn't he? Everybody's going to be on the equal plane. I seen something the other day. It might have been on social media or something, and it had two graves dug. And it was talking about the wealthy and the poor or whatever. And he said they both look the same when you come to that time in your life. Um, but again, further we know, judgment will be to all, the godly and the all, godly and the ungodly, John 5 and 28 and 29, Revelation 20, verse 12 and 15 through 15. You think about, when I was thinking about that uh, in this study, I considered and, and thought about the parable of the tares, if you remember, the wheat and the tares. Matthew 13 and 20 through, 24 through 30. In this wicked and righteous world, or this wicked world, this world we live in, the wicked and the godly and the righteous live together just like those wheat and tares, wasn't it? But you remember that parable that one day there's going to be a what? A great separation, isn't there? Yeah. There's going to be a great separation. And while on this earth, but on the day God will separate and judge us, and true judgment and justice will come. You know, James 5 and 1 through 5 gives a warning to the rich, and often rulers are falling into this and have exploited, have exploited others. If you remember what James speaks of there, Jesus to the right religious leaders in Israel, Matthew 23 and 14, they devoured the widows' houses, if you remember. But if there will come judgment to the righteous and the unrighteous. The second thing tonight, not only is the perverted justice that uh, Solomon is speaking of, he speaks of death being the great equalizer in verses 18 through 21. We can say God tests or prove, if you will. In context, having noted the weakness of rulers here above, both secular and religious, we just talked about, we see the temporal nature of their efforts. You know, we need to understand that it doesn't matter what a wicked man accomplishes in this life because it will be judged. You think about that. We often say, well, man, they're so wicked. They're living so, so horrible, but they're, they're prospering in all these things. 
But guess what? What they've done or what might have gotten them there is going to be judged. One day, it's going to be judged. You know, when ungodly rulers die, there is rejoicing and often relief. We've seen this in the history of the Bible, haven't we? You think about Proverbs chapter 11 and verse 7 when it says, When a wicked man dies, his expectation will perish and the hope of the unjust perishes. If you remember back in the history of the Bible, 2 Chronicles 21, in verses 19 and 20, speaks of Jehoram there, a wicked king in Judah. If you remember at his death, we read that his people made no burning for him. And he reigned in Jerusalem for eight years. And to no one's sorrow departed. Jeremiah 22 and verse 18. The prophecies concerning Jehoiakim. That there would be no mourning when he was carried away. Now we're talking about death is the great equalizer. The leader that was up here in this top position versus those who are in the lowly position. You know, it reminds me, always reminds me of the, the rich man and Lazarus. You know, the rich man and Lazarus, he sat at the table, and the sword, all were licked with the sores, and ate from the crumbs on the rich man's table. But then death came, it's the great equalizer, wasn't it? Brought everything back to, to uh, equalization. But you know, we are tested to see how we'll respond in these t situations. These situations where people who are wicked prosper and how we are, and we feel like we're not, we're not getting as much as they are. But we are proved and tested how we will respond. You know, there's always been debate. We just had it here not so long ago in a, a class about how God tests us. When you consider James chapter 1 and verse 13, God does not tempt or test us to do evil, but we know that he does allow the wickedness around us, and that, that tests our character, uh, which, which seems to be the point of our text here. Often leaders are in, are in an influence for good or for bad. But ultimately, it's up to each of us individually to determine in our lives our fate and how we will respond. Again, 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 10 speaks to how that we will give an account personally for each thing that we do or do not do. Judgment will come to all, and death is the great equalizer in verses 18 through 21. In the latter part of 18, in verse 19, it well, says he will die just like animals. All living things die. If the Lord does not return first, Hebrews 9 and 27. The appointed unto man wants to die, then the judgment. James 4, 14 says, your life is a vapor. And we need to always remember our purpose here is to prepare to meet God and face our eternity. Death may be that great equalizer, but you and I have a responsibility to prepare while we are here. I've always said, you've heard it, me say it a hundred times. Heaven is a prepared place for a prepared people. And right now is the time that we prepare for, for heaven. But he says he'll die just like animals. 
Psalms 90 and verse 12, Moses wrote, So teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. And you know, even animals, as men and animals die, they all go to one place. That's a grave, isn't it? Yeah. Now, we have a big thing in our world today that people put human, make animals to be humans. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I've, I've got, I get criticized. My, my assistants at school, they, they talk about their dolphins. It was real cold. They brought them all in and this, that, and other. I said, there ain't no way I'm bringing Micah's coon dogs in my house. There's no way. Uh, I was always taught an animal is an animal. <laughs> Uh, it has no soul and this, that, and other. But now a lot of people make them into human beings now, don't they? Uh, you know, we need, not that I'm saying people sin with that, but I'm saying we need to be careful of that. And this always, always makes me uh, wonder. It's kind of like Vince was telling me when her house caught on fire, Amy was more worried about the dogs than she was him. That's uh, what he told me, Amy. I don't know. Uh, let me get the dogs. You don't worry about where Vince was at. Uh, she just won't know where dogs were. Uh, but again, uh, animals die, men die too, don't they? Um, but again, Genesis 3 and verse 19, our physical bodies return to the earth and decay. And again, this is not saying that man does not have a soul that, that will live on. The context is the point. Life is uncertain. Man does have a soul and it will live after this life. But let me tell you, let me disappoint some of y'all. Some of y'all's pets, it ain't got a soul. And it ain't going to heaven. Okay? A lot of times people say, my little puppy's in heaven. I'm going to tell you what, we buried goldfish in the toilet when I was, my kids were young. We had a funeral at the toilet. And those fish didn't go to heaven. They went to the septic tank. And we understood that when we flushed them down the toilet and sang Amazing Grace. I was, I, was a, I was trying to teach my children about death and that there's departure, and Adrian was very young. Uh, these fish traveled from Alabama to here in a, in a tank with just a little bit of water and in the front seat of a U-Haul. And I would, about every 30 minutes, I'd reach over there and splash the water and make some bubbles for air <laughs> to try to keep them alive. Uh, and they made it, but they died. Uh, so again, you know, the spirit of man goes upward, and, um, and we, we know that. Um, you know, I, I, I think that Solomon knew when life is over, while the body will decay, I think he knew and understood that the soul would live on. That's his conclusion that, that we address or will address in Ecclesiastes 12 and verses 13 and 14, and also 12 and verse 7, when he notes that the spirit of, God, the spirit of man will return to God who gave it. Recall the warning of our Lord. Do not fear him who destroys the body, but cannot destroy the soul. Matthew 10 and 28. Do not fear him who destroys the body, but he who can destroy the soul, body and soul. So what's the point? Our Lord summarized in Matthew 6 and 19, where is your treasure? Where is your treasure? You know, the spirit of the animal goes down to the earth. When an animal dies, that's it. There are some who think, again, that their pets will greet them in heaven. Uh, they believe that. 
And that's taught nowhere in Scripture. Thirdly and lastly, as we close tonight, therefore rejoice in your own works. You know, I perceive Solomon's conclusion about this observation. Make the best, Now, close it with this, make the best of your circumstances. It's all you can do. You, not, you cannot control what others do or what leaders do in high places and people who have a lot of money who go and live and they say, well, they're all blessed so well, but we're, we're down here struggling. We can't control those things. You can't control what others do, and in this life you may have sorrows, but you can control your eternal destiny. I want to leave you with that tonight. You can control your eternal destiny. Therefore, make the best of your circumstances. Philippians 4, verse 4, rejoice in the Lord always, he says. You know, that is your heritage. As in the scripture says, and this is simply saying this is the hand you have been dealt. We've all been dealt a hand, haven't we? Yeah. We all face circumstances in this life that we cannot control. But never forget that much of what we do and become and how we deal with it, we can control. I want you to think about that. Scripture says in Ecclesiastes there in the very last part of that, it says who will bring him to see what will happen after him. And let me tell you something. You don't know what the future holds. You don't know, especially after this lie, whether this deals with what God does in the future or whether well, what will happen when you're gone. In either case, you and I will live knowing something greater than I is in control. You and I should live that way. And as I close, sometimes life is unfair. I agree. That is the world we live in, and I believe it's so because of sin, the sin of Adam who has cursed this world in many, so many ways. But just know this, that whatever man does in this life, when he dies, it's not going to, to, to do to him, any, don't do him any good physically. The world will go on. Without the Lord, we are nothing. Until the Lord returns, I hope that we can use this knowledge to prepare for what really matters in this whole last chapter, part of last chapter, or three there. Understanding those things that are in our lives that we see on a daily basis of people um, prospering that are wicked. And Solomon's seen that in his time and in the history of God's people. We have seen it as well. So tonight... <clears throat> There will be justice one day. There will be a judgment one day for all of us. All of us will stand before God. You know, and, there's, and you will go somewhere. You will go somewhere. Not like those animals. Those animals, they die, that's it. But we will live on. Our soul will live on. We'll go back to, the Spirit will go back to the one who gave it. But the question is, where will you live eternally? Where do you want to live eternally? You know, if you're not a Christian, you need to become one. 
If you have not been baptized and you're at the age of accountability and you know what's right and wrong and you've sinned, you need to be baptized for the remission of your sins and added to the body of Christ. Yeah. Be the best decision you ever make. But maybe you've fallen away. Maybe you've allowed the cares of this world and the unfairness of this world to drag you down. And you haven't been where you need to be and you need to come back. Tonight, whatever your need may be, please come. Together we stand as we sing.